0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to LifeWealth's latest podcast. My name is Jason Harwood, CEO of LifeWealth, and joining me today is LifeWealth's head of investment committee, James Vandaloo. Morning, James. Morning, Jace. How are we? Very well. Sun's out. Springtime's finally here. Finally. Not- <laughs> Notwithstanding the spring carnival last week, we've actually got some sun, and it's uh, it's pretty joyous. So uh, we're all up and about.
1: Absolutely. I half phrased to death last Saturday, but uh, it was good to see this. This set day, which was Derby Day, uh, fantastic day in Melbourne. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it?
0: Um, all right, let's jump straight in because we do have some things we want to get through today. Uh, obviously, um, so why don't we start with the budget uh, as a as a lead item? Um, you know, what, what's your overall take on the budget? Your know, second one for the year.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the speech by the new treasurer was the was the highlight. There actually wasn't much in the budget, and unfortunately, given the economic circumstances, he really couldn't do much. Um, you can't uh, you can't be spending too much when you've got an inflation problem. So uh, it was a pr- probably for the second year in a row. It was a pretty boring, boring budget. But there were a few little things we can
0: probably check in on. Yeah. So so tax is an obvious one straight away. Ah, uh, no changes in tax. Nothing which there, is, which is pretty amazing because obviously there's been so much noise and 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 you know so much polarisation almost around uh, um statutory tax cuts.
1: Yep. Um, so the, the legislative changes are going to kick in from July 2024. Uh, so uh, those are the stage three um, tax cuts, which were already legislated. So, so they haven't moved that.
0: Mm. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the next two years. It's going to be some
1: Yeah, noise. it'll depend on, on, on the, I think, the world we're in at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, superannuation measures? Uh,
1: not much there. Uh, the, again, the previous government had... Um, made some relaxations to residency requirements for self-managed super funds. Um, That's been deferred. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't exactly know. It was meant to start um, 1 July this year, uh, which is a bit of a pain for us and some of the strategy work we do for for non-resident clients. But um, we don't know uh, what's going to happen. Just at the
0: moment, unfortunately, they've been deferred. Yeah, and, and just deferred at this stage? There's no, not cancelled or anything along those lines? Just just deferred? Just deferred. Yeah, okay, no problem at all. Uh,
1: the other thing which is semi-super related, which um, would be definitely useful for some clients, uh, is the downsizer contributions mm-hmm. from selling a, a principal residence. Um, they've lowered the qualifying age again um, down from 60 to 55.
0: Uh, and that there'd been a change in the previous budget, hadn't there, under the Liberal government? Yeah, it,
1: it, was, um, it was down from 65 to 60, now we're down to 55. Um, the quantum that you can put in hasn't changed. It's 300,000 uh, per person. So if you're a, a couple, mm-hmm. that's 600,000 in total and that doesn't count towards the caps, yep. um, which is sort of the big the big tick. So um, that one we will find some use for clients. Um, now that change actually um, hasn't kicked in yet, mm-hmm. so um, it basically has to wait for royal slants or get to through the parliament. Um, once it does, it starts for the next
0: quarter. That definitely opens up some uh, significant st- uh, strategic options for our clients.
1: It really does, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that, that's a good one, and hopefully it's not too far away.
0: Excellent, uh, okay, so changing tack a little bit, paid parental leave.
1: Um, yeah, so uh, basically they're gonna extend the number of weeks, so right now families can get 18 weeks, um, they're going to push that out to 20, then 22, then 24, and then 26. So uh, pushing it out um, a little bit further over the next four or five years.
0: Yep. Okay. Um, and that, that seems to be along the lines of what was being talked about, you know, having this greater focus on wellness and the well-being of the country and, and all those sorts of things. That's clearly in line with that. Correct. Yep. Excellent. Okay. Um, and now some of the factors uh, affecting, I guess, older Australians?
1: Um, yeah. So... Uh, probably some good and bad. Uh, the PBS um, um, is going to be a decrease in the maximum co-payment, and it's about a twenty-nine percent reduction. So it was forty-two dollars fifty. Now that maximum co-payment's down to thirty. So um, significant. Unfortunately, a few people will be paying a bit more for medicine, um, which is not great uh, for people receiving age pension. Um, the deeming rates are uh, being frozen now. In a rising interest rate world, that's um, going to be helpful mm. because um, you know it, it assumes what uh, people's savings are actually making, and um, so at least they'll be frozen for another two years. Um, which hopefully, um, you know, we're getting a a, a a spike in interest rates at the moment. We we probably peak. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little bit lower in two years. So that's probably going to be helpful for some for some aged
0: pensioners. Without a doubt. Um, and seniors card?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so the income threshold for the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card is going up. It's um, it's about 62000 at the moment. I think it's $61,284. Um, and that's going to be pushed up to 90000 for mm. singles. Um, and for couples, it was about 98000 and it's being pushed up to 144,000. That is significant. So um, there's going to be a few more people that are able to access that um, that benefit, um, and that is helpful.
0: And again, that's uh, that's a, a reasonably significant strategic play for financial advisors working on that for their clients.
1: De- definitely. For older Australians, uh, unfortunately, sometimes um, they take a bit more medicine and uh, their health isn't as great as it was, uh, it becomes a, a decent part of their budget that they're spending at the chemist mm. uh, and at the doctors. So that's going to help a little bit.
0: Yeah, excellent. Okay, yeah. thank you. I think that's a, that's a good, um, concise summary uh, of the budget. Um, um, nothing else you want to add there around that?
1: Not really. As we said, they, they, they didn't really have much rope to, to work with. So uh, a few, few tweaks there, but a pretty responsible government uh,
0: yeah. budget. Yeah, excellent. On the new government. I think in reality what you want, particularly first time out with a budget, is you don't want major surprises. So reasonably steady as you go outlook, given how much is going on well, we, domestically
1: and globally. we, we saw from the experience from the UK that um, markets at the moment in this sort of changing world, they're demanding fiscal discipline from governments. Mm-hmm. Um, the COVID um, spend to get through it, that era is gone and uh, if uh, you come out with the wrong, wrong policy, the, the country gets punished. So I think it was a pretty responsible budget.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks for that summary. Um, I think that's probably a good segue, you know, talking about global themes and, 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 and domestic considerations uh, to talk about... You've just come back from the JP Morgan conference in Singapore. Um, and I think, you know, there was... There was for you to talk about, there's obviously a lot that came out of that, but there's two major themes, obviously, and it's recession risks and and, and interest rates. Um, so do you want to touch on, you know, some of the things that you took out of that conference?
1: Yeah, so um, it was uh, it was three or four days, really well spent. So um, uh, for those that don't know, J.P. Morgan is the uh, the largest bank on earth, and by market cap, it is, uh, you know, there is daylight between itself and number two. Um, so they're a genuine global behemoth. Uh, with massive resources. Um, They obviously uh, are US-based, but got a big presence in Asia as well. So um, it was good to head over there and hear what they're thinking. And really what I was looking at is testing some of the thoughts that I've I've had to see what's different, you know, because um, it's easy to be in an echo chamber and enjoy the sound of your own voice. So um, it was interesting. Um, th- there was probably one big difference from from where I, I was at to what their analysts are saying, and that was um, that was about earnings, actually, in the US. So um, uh, this happened about a week and a half ago. So there's since since I came back, there's been a zero point seven five percent interest rate rise out of the US yeah. and zero point two five here in Australia. Um, Their view was there was gonna be at least 2% to go in the US Mm. and it was gonna happen really, really quickly, sort of between now and February. So, you know, over the next three months, really, they thought um, there was at least 2%. That would get the Fed funds rate into the, I get scared even saying it, into the fives, Mm. um, which I I didn't really think was possible uh, 12 months ago. They're hoping that um, inflation has peaked and by that time um, has rolled and is itself in the fives. Um, now that will give them the ability to pause. So um, they're hoping the pause comes um, probably late February uh, with a rate in the fives, mm-hmm. and that'll give us time to just see um, see how things unfold. Yep. Uh, now, they also agree with me that the fives is, is gonna cause a recession. So, um, th- They're not 100% certain, but they believe it's a pretty strong possibility that that the US will be in recession um, in the new year. Um, With Europe, it's not if Europe has a recession. It's just when, you know, when it's officially called. So um, no doubt that that Europe's in for some pain. Um, The positive that they saw, uh, ex-China, which has got its unique set of problems at the Mm -hmm. moment, is the the HGN countries are doing really really well, and domestic demand from there is offsetting some of the weakness out of the yeah, okay. the, the the developed world. Mm-hmm. Um, so their higher interest rate forecast is there, their recession forecast is there. Um, now you know I'm just a simple fellow, but um, you know I look at charts and said whenever there's US recessions uh, and a strong US dollar, earnings fall. Yep, um, they don't agree with me. Um, they're actually they actually think it's okay to buy the market now, and that you know we're probably we're probably three months from a bottom, mm. but they don't think there's going to be massive earnings downgrades in the US. Oh, I'm not sure about this. Sure. Um, so that's probably the one part I couldn't really get my mm. head around, saying, okay, you you're saying rates have still got a long way to go up. Um, the economy is going to weaken and be in recession, but you're telling me earnings are going to be higher next year in the US, even though the USD has been really, really strong. Um, So my first question to them is why or how could earnings possibly be stronger under that environment? And um, their view was um, inflation, they're passing on the price increase and and corporates have managed to squeeze out more. So I don't know how long that, how sustainable that is and how long that can last, but that's their view, Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting to mine because I'm waiting for an earnings downgrade cycle and they're telling me, no, it's not coming, James. Uh, so, we'll wait and see. Um, my view was, you know, given we've got a fair bit of cash and we've been patient this year to invest, I wouldn't invest before February. I'd I, I just hold on to see yep. um, what comes to pass. Um, you know, that's a, another big round of hikes. So, there's there's always a risk that something breaks. Um, they don't think it will, but um, that's the view. So... Um, Nearly there. We're we ten months into a downturn, yep. and they think there's probably three months to go. Yeah. So um, almost through it was the way I, I, I took. Um, but the pain in the real economy is going to last longer and and be behind the market.
0: And so and so, you know, it's effectively about being trying to be as clear as you possibly can. So so the indicators you'll be looking for will be earnings earnings reporting.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be focused on earnings because um, I don't think there's going to be too too. Like everyone knows, there's more rate hikes. Mm-hmm. Um, recession forecasts were at the start of the year. Nobody had them. Mm-hmm. Um, a shallow U.S. recession is now priced into markets. Yes. So, um, so that's not um, a, a big X factor, unless it's a nasty recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just seeing that inflation does uh, roll over in the in, in the weaker economy, so that's when all bets are off. If inflation doesn't come down, um, then we could have something more nasty. Yeah. Um, but you would think, um, although it probably settles higher, and we've said this sort of all along, than what it was in the previous ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, we do probably think um, you know inflation's peaked and will roll. Um, the supply side isn't quite. Ready yet to um, go back to where things were, um, but uh, they're they're optimistic that it's that it's peaked and um, this next round of hikes
0: is going to do the job. Okay, so um, in that on those lines. How was that conversation positioned across the three or four days in the context of geopolitical and Ukraine and uh, energy and you know the challenges going into winter in Europe? Was that seen as being a significant factor for all that, or just another another variable?
1: Well, it's a problem in energy, right? So um, it, it means the energy prices are unlikely to unlikely to roll over quickly, and they're mm-hmm. going to be going to be high for a while. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean they keep rising, right? So inflation doesn't keep um, high and keep rising, but um, it means it's very tricky to see a path where, you know, the Fed's target is actually 2%, right? Um, They could see a road where in 12 months' time, it's back to something with a 3 in front of it, Mm -hmm. but a 2 is a long way off and energy is a big Big issue there. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you know, rates going back to zero. Uh, the only the only way that's happening is if we're in another emergency again, and and the economy is absolutely cratered. And let's hope that's not the case.
0: Absolutely not. Okay. Um, anything else from the conference you you want to talk about? Um, yeah. So gave the very brief view
1: there on equities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the buying opportunity is not too far away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are the sectors they like though? So w- where are we doing the work to um, find the businesses we want to own in the next you know, five to seven years in the next cycle? Mm-hmm. Um, it was healthcare. Yep. Uh, it's still tech and innovation. Um, it is businesses that are going to uh, win from climate change um, regardless of what your views on it. Um, governments are spending money there. And um, so the winners in that in that sector are, are going to grow enormously, mm-hmm. um, and also some of the transition fuels like um, like gas so mm-hmm. transmission assets. Um, so there's a nice little little range of areas where we think we'll do really well in in equities. Um, it's just you know when's the right time to pull the trigger. Um, my view is it's probably still a little bit little bit too early. Even though you'll do fine if you buy them from here because they're all. They're all down. Yeah. Um. But um, I'd be probably happy just to see how the next three months pans out before before going too hard. Yep. And likewise in fixed income. So, um, you know, for the last decade, it's been really really hard um, to get good returns. We've had to take take risk to out of fixed income investments. Mm-hmm. Um, with a Fed funds rate in the fives, we'll be able to buy, you know, global high quality bonds. Um, and Get sevens, mm. sevens and eights, mm. and, and get the portfolio set. I was talking um, about
0: i bonds this morning and just the returns they're giving. It's extraordinary.
1: That, that's right. We haven't seen these numbers for a mm. long time, and and if there's still you know a one point two five to one point five percent rise at the short end, th- those numbers are going to get better. Yeah. So there's going to be a buying opportunity in fixed income now. You know, I started nibbling away at fixed income, and and have in hindsight have probably gone too early. Um, but it doesn't mean we won't be right, and uh, we should be adding more. But um, again, it probably makes sense if you've waited this long to give it a few more months.
0: Okay, thank you. There's something interesting in there, you know, touching on healthcare. If I think about, you know, it's been a pretty consistent theme um, that we've ta- investment theme we've talked about for five plus years, and I know from you know talking to clients as part of reviews and how we've been positioning portfolios. Um, and you think about what we touched on with the budget, the issues around healthcare in there, and you know, um, you know, making that more affordable or attempting to make that more affordable. And it's certainly going to be some of the themes I'm going to talk about in a moment from 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 being in the US. But uh, you know, it's it's demographically driven, isn't it?
1: it? It is. It is. It's not going away, and um, more and more capital is going to be spent uh, there. And you know. Innovation, it's still happening, even though the economy is not great at the moment. Yeah. Um, there's some great I- I- great ideas being developed. You just um, you just want to own them at the right time. Beautiful, excellent. Thank you. Um, any other topics you want to touch on? Um, just about portfolio construction. So yeah. we've spoken about equities and bonds, which are the big ones. Um, alternatives have done really well, though, even through the last year now. Not all our clients are able to access these, unfortunately. It's mm. it's more um, wholesale clients rather than retail. Uh, but we're working really hard on trying to bring some of these ideas and opportunities to our retail clients as well. Yes. So this is something we're working on, you know, yes. at, at a business level at the moment, um, because we, we think there's opportunities there, and um, and that part of the portfolio has worked really well for our our wholesale clients. Um, so. If we think about the market in um, how it's worked, right? We've had this downturn. Uh, phase ones was when stocks and bonds uh, were going down together, yep. right? Um, so that's happened and it's been a, a, a bad year for stocks and bonds. Um, we're nearly into what I call phase two, right? Um, and I think that point is going to be in the next um, two or three months, right? It's, Equities probably fall a little bit, um, a little bit more, um, but the interest rate hikes have peaked, and the market is then starting to price in the recession, right? So, um, so yields start at the long end start falling, which means bond prices start going up, right? Um, that's the turning when you, you when you'll see the, um, the, the 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 turning cycle. I don't think that's um, far off, but um, I want to see proof of it actually happening and the trend actually changing um, before you see that. Um, You stay diversified there, phase three will be a flip and that'll happen probably within six months. Um, And uh, that's when the economy starts to recover. So yields will start rising again, like the recession will be priced out, Um, but equities won't care because they'll look at the growth uh, ahead sure. and, and they'll start rolling, right? So this is just a normal cycle. Um, people want to be in phase three, but unfortunately we're still in phase one,
0: mm.
1: right? It's nearly pivot time, but but not quite not quite there yet.
0: I think there's something that's worth picking up there. Um, uh, it is a normal cycle. Now, now, the factors that drive the cycle might be different every time. The variables change. Yeah. But the cycle is similar to previous cycles.
1: Correct. Um, the last few cycles, the Fed has been hard on, on and it's, so it's been really quick, the the, 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 the turn. Um, we're not going to get that this time, right? We're not going to get money pumped in. So it's going to take a bit of a longer time frame to turn, but that's exactly right.
0: Excellent. No worries. Anything
1: else? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm going to go and spend um, some time in Europe in the next few weeks and try and get my head around what's going on over there and how bad things might might be and if that's gonna be a spanner in the works. Um, Because as I said, I'm expecting recession in the US, but I'm I'm actually really comfortable that in six months time, things are gonna be okay there. ASEAN is actually looking pretty good, which bodes well for for Australia and our part of the world. Um, So as we said, 10 months into a downturn, Probably only three to go. So now I'm starting to turn my head to finding opportunities. Exactly right. So fingers crossed. That's a
0: timeline. Yeah. Um, let's go and find some of those opportunities for our clients.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe one more mm-hmm. one more point. And I, I was speaking speaking about alternatives before, and people might be thinking, well, what's this alternatives um, that um, James is talking about, and what sort of return profile can um, can you get, right? Um, well, really, it's just stuff that doesn't fit in those conventional boxes of, of, of equities and equities and credit. They might be done private. So, a lot of our um, wholesale clients have had experience to private credit, which is just um, paid what it's paid. Um, so, JP Morgan um, have a fund and some of our clients are in it, our wholesale clients. Um, it's a global transport fund. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they own the largest fleet of LNG carriers on earth. Um, so... What does that pay to cart around LNG at the moment? Um, it pays about 12% um, per annum, which a lot of people would say that's a that's a great return. Mm-hmm. I'd be really confident that'll that'll pump out you know 12% per annum plus for the next five or seven years. So it's something different. Um, it's owning um, commercial real estate that isn't listed on the stock market, so um, industrial warehousing and distribution centres. And while some people are saying, well James uh, rates are going up so commercial property is going to crash um, now that may be so in some car- um in, in, in some markets and you know probably Melbourne office is mm. not something you'd be bullish on because the occupancy rates are falling exactly. but in industrial property the rents are going up by 10 or 12 percent a year. so mm. inflation's being pushed through. So there are things you can do mm. um, uh, that are a little bit different. Um, uh, there's uh, wind assets, uh, they've got a 10 to 12% income yield. Um, forestry, and that's a bit of a scary word in Australia because um, right, right, some right. things were done uh, for tax reasons in the past. But um, uh, offsetting carbon credits, uh, you probably get um, 10 to 12% per annum out of global forestry assets. So, not mm. as some of our Australian investors would yes, remember yes, it. Yes, yes. Um, you,
0: you're investing in them for the quality of the investment, not for a tax write off.
1: Correct. Yeah. Nothing nothing to do with tax um, because there are big carbon capture assets. Now, mm. big corporates are wanting to offset their emissions. Um, they're going to buy these things. Yeah. So it's sort of front running. I just don't think that phenomenon is going to change. Mm. Um, so there are some examples of what things are. They're real assets underneath it. Uh, I just thought I'd clarify that because people have oh, this alternatives word. It, you know, it sounds tricky, but it's it's not. It's just just other investments that don't fit into those other two boxes.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so if you're comfortable, and we can come back if there's something else you think of, I might use that to sort of segue into um, the study tour I just came back from in the US, because yeah. some of the themes you've talked about from the conference from an investment point of view go into the themes that we saw when we are in, we in the States. So um, we had the chance while we are there to, um, you know, meet with some, you know, truly global businesses, household names, you know, Amazon, BlackRock, uh, as well as some of the most successful advisors in the USA working for Morgan Stanley and Capital Group and, um, and these kinds of businesses. You know, that the, the, the overriding takeout was, well, there was a number of things. There's probably four pretty key themes, um, and a lot of those are in line with various projects and strategies we've been working at at LifeWealth. Um, this study too was less about investments and investment markets, more about, you know, at how to be a successful financial planning business and, you know, delivering great outcomes for your clients. So, you know, some of those themes were, you know, constantly looking to improve experience for our, our clients, especially digitally at our client's convenience. And we know that we've done some work there over the last five, six years. We also know we we need to do better. Um, and that's a project that's been underway for you know, a couple of years now, just because, you know, identifying the right solutions for our clients has proven a little bit challenging locally, because yeah, mm. we're a relatively small market compared to the US where there's lots of software tools they can effectively take off the shelf. Um, again, major theme in the US around that. We think we're pretty close on a couple of items now. So um, that's, that's a watch this space, but we're really focused on that for our clients.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, that's been one of my massive frustrations as an advisor, practicing advisor, uh, and a, and a business owner is... Knowing there is tech out there in the universe that would be fantastic, but um, the software vendors just haven't been prepared to bring it into our market. Mm. We're so we're so small, and it just wasn't wasn't profitable for them.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So 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 we're really close on that now to the point that we will start to see advisors and uh, advisor teams starting to have those conversations with our clients over the next, uh, well, effectively starting now. So that's something to really look forward to. I know we're, as you said, business owners, we're all looking forward to delivering these outcomes for our clients. It's been a, a long time coming. Um, and again, not. Uh, whilst it is a life wealth issue, it's it's been an industry issue. So um, we believe we can get sort of on the forefront of that. Uh, another major one is is again a continuation of a theme about creating more time for our people to spend with our clients. It's been a real challenge uh, um, to to do that. Again, software has been a big part of that, but we think we've got some solutions that are about to roll out um, both structurally and and from a technology point of view and from a process point of view that it will really create some additional capacity for our entire team to be spending more time with our clients is clearly, that's the most valuable thing that we do. Um, It's an interesting one, the third theme I take, uh, and you and I didn't discuss this before coming onto the the podcast, but it's great from the themes you talked about uh, around alternatives um, uh, and explaining those. One of the key themes out of the US was, Democratizing access to alternatives for retail clients—it's mm. you know something that's been available for wholesale clients obviously for a long time as the alternative space has grown. But but trying to find a way to get more access for retail clients, and that's happening in the U.S. We believe we're pretty close on that as well um, to be able to make those available for our retail clients. As always, um, advisor will work with clients to to ensure that we're balancing that risk return profile. Um, but again, we're, we're, we're pretty close on being able to make that available for retail clients. The most consistent theme of all, and it goes to what we talked about with healthcare and demographics and um, you know, uh, looking after aging uh, uh, clients and Australians and, and people in the U.S. as well, most consistent theme that sort of underpinned all of those other themes was intergenerational wealth transfer. You know, as in reality, baby boomers, that baby boomer generation is getting older. Um, You know, health concerns become a greater issue. It's about, you know, what do we do as advisors and as an advice firm to support um, families to navigate the challenges and the considerations of that intergenerational wealth uh, transfer successfully? So, you know, that's something that's sort of been in the back of mind for us over the last, say, three years we're gonna be much more focused on how we can deliver that for our, our clients. Um, sometimes that'll be around advice, whether it be estate planning and other things. I think a significant part of it's gonna be around education and whether that be mm-hmm. other podcasts that we do, seminars. I, look, more to play out there. Mm. But it's clear that we need to spend some more time and energy and focus on uh, delivering that for our, our broader client base. Um, other than that, James, the most uh, uh, prevalent thing I found out in the US, uh, particularly New York, was uh, weed was legalized in 2021 and it is all pervasive. You walk down any city block and it is the only thing you, you, you can, can smell. smell. Yeah, it is. I don't even know how to explain it. There's no other pollution in New York. It's all weed.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I was in San Fran before COVID and it was exactly the same. I, I thought I'd get a bit of culture and go out to the burbs and um, that's the culture I got. Yeah. So
0: taking, uh, taking the US by storm. Quite extraordinary. It's probably been, uh, maybe we should be buying shares in late night eateries in the major cities of the US. <laughs> Munchies. <laughs> exactly right. Um, all right, so those are the themes out of the, the US. Um, again, there's, there's, there's lots of positives um, and if anything, it probably similar to your time at the J.P. Morgan conference. It was more about saying, okay, uh, let's continue to be focused on the things we have been focused on. Mm. It's probably lit a fire under a couple of things to say, okay, we've 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 had an eye on them. It's time to go a bit more aggressively on some of it, and we found some opportunities to do so. So,
1: yeah, a- absolutely, uh, from the business front and from the investing front, uh, you know, we've been a little bit in the fetal position for. Um, for the last year just trying to uh, to get through. But um, now our job's to sort of look to the other side and push forward. So I'm really confident we're doing some some interesting work on some some good ideas that'll deliver a lot of value over the next five to seven years. It's just when do we pull the trigger? And unfortunately, we don't get to decide that. Um, the market's gonna, gonna do that for us to try and make that journey a little bit easier, but we're getting closer.
0: Yeah, there's some, there's some light on the horizon, isn't there? Absolutely. Excellent. Fantastic. Thanks, James. Really appreciate the update around uh, the budget and uh, the conference and I guess the, mm. the global themes. Um, yeah. Pretty. Anything else you want to finish off with before we go? Or?
1: Oh, I actually thought – I've asked um, JP Morgan's Australian Strategist to either come on the podcast or, or do a webinar for our clients yeah, um, before Christmas. Um, I think it would be nice to get another voice that probably speaks a little bit better than I do anyway um, to um, – to come through with um, some
0: ideas. Yeah, that sounds great. Excellent, fantastic, James. Um, at the end of the last podcast, you you talked about uh, you congratulated a couple of uh, a, a couple of clients, uh, uh, Joel and Kripper. Kripper, yeah. Um, I think there's someone else you want to give a congratulatory shout out to as well.
1: Oh, Mark Zara. Mm. He's
0: won himself for Melbourne Cup, which is pretty fantastic, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, um, lovely fella, and uh, had a bit of a bit of a rotten run um, over the last 12, 18 months. So congratulations, Mark, for putting your head down and uh, and getting the win, well done.
0: Uh, Nothing better than seeing good people have great success. Absolutely. Excellent. All right, James. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, as you said, you, you're about to fly out to Europe, which is which is pretty exciting for, for for people who've been clients of Life Wealth for a long period of time, and uh, and all listening to the podcast over the last two or three years. And um, this is with Portfolio Construction Forum, which is which is the key conference that you tend to and and a couple of the um, partner advisors here go to annually. So this is really an extension of that. That, that,
1: that's correct. So it's um, it's certainly not a jolly. I've got six days straight of meeting with economists, fund managers, um, one, to get an understanding of what's going on and ideas, two, to review um, their existing strategies in the market uh, and get to know those guys a little better after a few years. We, we really haven't been able to communicate face-to-face.
0: Fantastic. Well, I, I, I certainly know, and I'd say on behalf of the entire LifeWell team, I know we're really looking forward to when you get back and can sort of, debrief us around what you've seen and, and where those opportunities exist. So I think, you know, the entire team is looking forward to that and uh, hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully, I would expect that we can start talking to clients about that in the next podcast.
1: Exactly. My my, my hope is come back from that and I've had um, a, almost a really good month on portfolios and asset allocation and then we can start doing the work on restructuring the portfolios. We might not actually pull the trigger and make too many moves, you know, before probably Feb, but um, actually start communicating those strategies rather than in big picture words, but actually showing clients the actual assets that that we want to restructure towards and get ready to pull the trigger um, at some stage in the first
0: quarter next year. Fantastic, excellent, thank you. Um, Travel well, James? Thank you, Jason. No Rose, and we'll uh, talk to you when we're back. Thanks to everyone for for listening. As always, uh, all of us here are available to to chat anytime uh, you have any questions or concerns or wish to clarify anything we've talked about today. Um, We look forward to updating you again next month. Cheers. Great. The information in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. Therefore, it does not constitute and is not intended to be financial services advice. You should consider whether the information is appropriate to your needs and where appropriate, seek professional personal advice from your financial advisor.